twelve chapter two of round the block by john Belbooten. this librivox recording is in the public domain middle-aged cupid being in ignorance of tipple's sudden fortune she was at a loss how to explain his defection she conjectured all things and finally settled down to the conclusion that he was a coy young man and had not been sufficiently encouraged by her she remembered instances where he had exhibited signs of ardor in one case so far as beginning to slip a hand around her waist and she had repelled him he was evidently waiting for some marked encouragement how foolishly prudish she had been one evening as wesley tiffles was passing through the hall to the door after a rattling hour with the three bachelors he was confronted by miss wilkeson who chanced to leave the front parlor on a journey upstairs at that moment she was dressed in a light silk and her hair was carefully braided and her face had a pink color in some parts which contrasted well with the pallor in other parts and her glass had told her that she was looking uncommonly youthful and charming she had carefully studied her part which was to be a bold one throwing off all reserve good evening mr tiffles said she promptly offering her hand he took it with unsqueezing indifference she had expected that mr tiffles said she with an air of youthful raillery you are a naughty man and i had an idea of not speaking to you again naughty said tiffles astonished how why you have hardly been civil to me of late I do believe you wouldn't speak or shake hands with me if I didn't always set the example. This in a half-complaining, half-laughing way. It suddenly flashed upon Tipples that he had been, for some time, rather neglectful of the lady. It also forcibly occurred to him that it was wise policy to be on good terms at all times with the mistress of the house and such was miss wilkeson's present position he therefore clutched her hand again gave it a faint squeeze and said that he apologized a million times for his rudeness but the fact was he had so much business on hand that he had been turned into a perfect bear he supposed he playfully challenged miss wilkeson to step into the parlor and take a glass of wine and he would show her that he was not the brute she fancied. Miss Wilkeson laughingly accepted the challenge. But I do believe, she added, that it is only the glass of wine you care for. Now tell me, Mr. Tiffles, aren't you a woman-hater? When a man is asked that question categorically by a woman, his most effective answer is to make love to her out of hand. Tiffles was not prepared to do this in the present case, but he was willing to pay compliments to any extent. Ah, Miss Wilkeson, there you do me great injustice, said he, with his pleasantest of laughs. I drink this glass of wine to lovely woman, with a nod at Miss Wilkeson. Miss Wilkeson giggled, and took a fly's sip from the brim of her glass. Tiffles heaved a sigh. We bachelors are poor, unhappy fellows, really to be pitied. You are horrid creatures, you know you are, and deserve no pity from us. Miss Wilkeson played her frisky juvenile part admirably. 
so charming and yet so cruel said tiffles uttering the first preposterous compliment that he thought of you flatterer said miss wilkeson beating a breeze toward him with her fan tiffles observing that matters were coming to a crisis paused miss wilkeson interpreted his silence as another attack of timidity time was valuable to her and this kind of conversation might be kept up all night and amount to nothing she resolved upon her final coup oh oh mr tiffles what what is the matter she looked wildly about her the matter what matter exclaimed that gentleman little suspecting what was to happen the wine the warm weather something oh oh with these inexplicable remarks miss wilkeson dropped her fan uttered a slight but sharp scream and fell back in her chair like a withered flower on a broken stalk by thunder she has fainted said the excited tiffles he had never been in a similar dilemma and did not know what to do he had heard tickling of the feet highly recommended in such cases but that was obviously impracticable a dash of cold water in the face was also said to afford instant relief but there was no water at hand i must call for help said he this remark appeared to arouse miss wilkeson support me she murmured i shall be better soon tiffles all accommodation clasped her fragile waist with an arm and gently inclined her head upon his shoulder she heaved a sigh and gave other tokens of returning animation tiffles here noticed that her face had not the prevailing paleness which always accompanies fainting he instantly suspected the true nature of miss wilkeson's complaint the noise of quick footsteps resounded in the entry marcus overtop and maltboy had heard the sharp scream and were rushing to the rescue good heavens what will they say exclaimed tiffles don't be silly miss wilkeson at your time of life this cutting remark was wrung from him by the annoyance and confusion of the moment it served as a wonderful anodyne for miss wilkeson jerked herself into an erect position and said you're a fool at this juncture before tiffles had quite uncoiled his serpentine arms from her and while she was looking fiery indignation at him the door was pushed open and the three bachelors rushed in i really beg pardon said marcus no occasion for my services i see ahem <clears throat> heard a scream thought it was here no intention to intrude added overtop the tableau reminded maltboy of his own innumerable little affairs and he laughed it's a lover's quarrel said he and not to be interrupted of course the three bachelors hastily evacuated the room and their merry laughs rang in the entry miss wilkeson said tiffles consulting his watch he carried a gold one with an enormous gold chain you must really excuse me important business engagement at nine good evening so saying tiffles precipitately retired with the determination not to enter the house again until he knew that miss wilkeson was out of it 
A week from that memorable day, Tiffles met Marcus Wilkeson on Broadway. "'Why haven't you been to see us?' said Marcus. "'Not been very smart of late,' explained Tiffles. "'Fainting fits, perhaps. Maybe they are catching, eh?' Tiffles smiled, for he saw that Marcus knew the truth. "'How is Miss Wilkeson?' he asked respectfully. "'She has gone into the country for her health, and will probably stay away a number of years.' In short, I have engaged for her the position of first preceptress of a female seminary in the middle of the state. She said she was quite sick of the hollow and heartless life of New York. Marcus spoke truly. Miss Wilkeson had retired to the country with a thorough feeling of disgust for town existence. She has taught for several years and is still teaching in the blank young ladies' seminary with eminent success, though her fair pupils complain, with much pretty pouting, of her savage restrictions upon all walks and talks with the eligible young beau of the village. They say that she hates the men, and they call her a cross old maid, and a great number of other hard epithets. But sometimes a tear is observed in the corner of her eye, which she hastily wipes away. That tear is an oblation upon the memory of a lost love. That lost love was, and is, and always will be, Wesley Tiffles. End of Book 12, Chapter 2